we are going to be talking about what to do whenever you're facing a potential slash actual uh, lawsuit. And uh, the title of the presentation says as much. Again, my name is Trey Scott. I'm an associate attorney at Lewis Brisbois Biscard and Smith in Dallas, Texas. A little bit about me. Uh, Catherine provided a very wonderful uh, introduction. Um, I've been licensed in Texas since 2012, uh, representing healthcare clients during that time. Um, I represent healthcare institutions, uh, skilled nursing facilities, home health organizations, nursing homes, uh, correctional facilities. I've represented doctors, uh, hospitals, um, done done quite a bit as far as uh, representing uh, healthcare individuals in litigation. I also have experience with compliance and regulatory matters and also in administrative appeals. Um, previously for healthcare, uh, first healthcare compliance, I did a talk on uh, the administrative appeals process. So if you want to know about that, I'm sure uh, you can go to the YouTube uh, section of First Healthcare Compliance and uh, find that presentation. Now, there's going to be a section for questions, and I'm going to answer your questions, uh, some of your questions, at the end of the presentation. But if for whatever reason your question doesn't get answered and um, it's really important to you that you want to get it answered, feel free to send me an email. My email is trey.scott at lewisbrisboy.com. Again, that's trey.scott at lewisbrisboy.com. Or you can give me a call. My number is 214-722-7109. Um, if I don't answer, feel free to leave a voicemail with your question, and I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can. Now, you're probably wondering why the title, I Fought the Law and the Law Won. Well, let's first talk about the song. It's a very, very, very catchy song. Uh, it was uh, written by Sonny Curtis of the Crickets in 1958. He recorded it with the Crickets and... Fortunately, it didn't uh, really become a hit, but it was made famous by the Bobby Fuller Four in 1960. Um, uh, no, sorry, 1966, and it actually became a top 10 hit. And then it was later re-recorded by The Clash and most recently uh, Green Day. So you're probably wondering, what does a song about fighting the law and the law winning even have to do with healthcare? Well, when you find, your find yourself facing a lawsuit, you are essentially fighting the law. Now it, now, it may not exactly seem that way, but that is what what you're doing. You are fighting the law. You're fighting whether it's statutes that say um, someone is entitled to bring an action against you or you're fighting um, just case law that says that you're, they're entitled to bring a lawsuit against you. You are fighting the law. 
So where are we going to be going with this uh, presentation today? First of all, we're going to begin with the types of incidents that can result in a lawsuit. There are multiple um, multiple ways that a healthcare provider such as yourself can find themselves in a lawsuit. Now, the list isn't going to be um, an exclusive list. Um, there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of other things that aren't mentioned here that maybe I haven't experienced, uh, but I did did pull out the most common the most common incidents that lead to a lawsuit. And then we'll discuss what to do when you actually are facing a lawsuit. That's that's probably what a majority of you are wanting um, wanting to know. Then we'll talk about documents and their importance, and then we'll go over the lawsuit process. Now, the lawsuit process, that's probably going to be the section we spend the longest time on because uh, there's a lot of nuance to um, what occurs in a lawsuit. So types of incidents that can result in lawsuits. You can find yourself facing a lawsuit for a breach of contract. Now, a breach of contract just um, is essentially what it sounds like. A breach occurred or a break in a contract. Now, this could be among vendors, uh, your EMR vendor, and you get into a dispute and uh, you no longer want to work with them, so you pull out of the pull out of the contract. If you don't review the contract um, sufficiently enough and you just pull out of the contract, then there could you could be facing a breach. There also could be a breach of contract for doctors that have uh, agreements with practice organizations. There also could be um, breach of contracts for multiple other issues, uh, lease agreements. You, ha you are leasing the office space that your practice is in and you no longer want to be there because the rent is going up. So you decide to leave and you don't follow the proper protocol in the lease contract. That That is a breach. And if deemed to the point that people believe um, it would be worth pursuing, you can find yourself facing a lawsuit. Now, the next item on the list is employment issues. Employment can be an area where you can face a lot of a uh, lot of issues. For example, there could be wage and uh, wage and hour disputes. If you have employees that are paid hourly, then and there's an issue regarding overtime, you could be facing a facing a lawsuit. If you are a healthcare organization that deals with uh, contractors. And there's actually some discussion about whether they are, in fact, contractors. That can uh, lead to a lawsuit. And probably the biggest, um, 
probably the biggest employment issue uh, would be discrimination. Uh, discrimination against someone based on uh, race, uh, sex, or um, due to uh, maternity leave, things things of that nature. There there are a lot of there are a lot of employment issues than that can arise and can potentially result in a lawsuit. Now, if that wasn't enough, then you also have to deal with premises liability. You uh, could fa find yourself facing a slip and fall. Um, if you're a hospital and you have um, tile floors or a floor where there's water or some liquid on the floor and someone slips and falls, then a lawsuit could be coming your way. And it's extremely unfortunate, but there are those um, plaintiff's lawyers that do make quite a bit of money off of uh, slip and falls. And that is just another area that healthcare providers have to worry about. A area that I deal with quite a bit uh, in my current practice is uh, medical malpractice deaths. Uh, the a death that resulted due to uh, the negligence of either the practice or an employee of the practice. And um, because of that death, a individual family member wants to bring suit uh, on behalf of the deceased. That is quite, uh, quite common. I know in uh, Texas, there are limitations to the type of suit that can be brought um, as a result of medical malpractice death, but it varies It varies by states. Um, Texas has a limitation on the amount that can be recovered in a medical malpractice action, but again, that varies uh, state to state. Now, if a if the person does not die as a result of the negligence, then they could be bringing a uh, personal injury suit. And that also is medical malpractice. That That is what you hear about whenever uh, you hear the stories of surgeons operating on the wrong limb or uh, surgeons leaving um, items in um, in the patient after the surgery. I don't mean to uh, pick on surgeons, but those are the ones that typically um, end up in the news. Another type of incident that can end up with a lawsuit is a government investigation. This could be a civil investigation uh, for um, actions under Stark or the False Claims Act, um, those investigations also could be uh, criminal in, uh, investigations. And the owner of the practice, employee of the practice, um, or healthcare organization can find themselves facing uh, criminal charges for a litany of issues. I know uh, towards the end of last year, there was a big healthcare fraud uh, takedown in relation to uh, the operation of pill mills. Uh, that is a situation where I would hope that no one listening to the 
uh, call was involved in any action like that, but um, just in full candor, those are the type of um, investigations that can lead to criminal actions. And then finally, uh, board issues. Now, board issues aren't lawsuits per se, but if you go through the administrative appeal process uh, long enough, you can ultimately end up with a lawsuit. You challenging the results of a decision of the board or the board challenging uh, the decision themselves. So that that is a summary of the types of incidents that can uh, result in lawsuits. Now, like I said, it's not an exhaustive list uh, because there are there are other types of incidents that uh, can result in lawsuit, but these these tend to be the primary ones that uh, we see. Now, what to do when you are in fact um, when you are in fact sued? First of all, it's not on here, but the first thing you need to do when um, when you find yourself facing a lawsuit is to breathe. It can be very, very, very scary to have someone give you a sheet of paper and say you have been served. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but that can be a very stressful or even anxiety-inducing uh, incident. So the first thing you can do is just stay calm. It's always easier said than done, but that that really is the first thing that you can do. Next, after that, uh, contact your insurance provider immediately. Now, a lot of your uh, organizations, you may only have um, premises liability insurance, but also you may have uh, professional liability insurance. If you do have professional liability insurance, then you need to contact that insurance provider immediately and let them, and let them know. Now, the next thing you need to do is pay attention to the response date. We're going to be discussing this um, in the lawsuit process uh, slide, but all, once you are served uh, on the front page, it gives you a um, timeline for when, when you need to respond. Texas in state court, it's a pretty convoluted um, response date. It's 10 a.m. Uh, 10 a.m. on the first Monday following the expiration of 20 days. I know. Go go ahead and laugh. That It's a ridiculous response date. But all it means is that by 10 a.m. on the Monday after 20 days, that's when you have to respond. Again, I know, go definitely go ahead and laugh. Federal court is a lot easier. Federal court, uh, you have 21 days from the date of service to respond to the lawsuit. And by response, I, I'll get in get into that a little 
a little bit later. Um, if you don't have any insurance, you need to begin contacting attorneys because failure to respond um, in any way to the suit will result in what's known as a default judgment. And that essentially means that you didn't respond and everything the plaintiff asked for is granted to them. That's not what you want to have happen. And once you are sued, please retain all documents. I know there is probably a lot of thought as to what to do um, and getting rid of documents that sound bad or are bad for you sounds like a good idea, but that definitely is not what you want to do. <laughs> yes, again, retain all documents. That means emails, letters, medical records, voicemail, text, anything related to the incident for which you are being sued, make sure you keep those documents. And it could be a lengthy process to go through to get these documents, but it's important that they it's important that they exist. Those documents can help your counsel in uh, structuring your defense, but they can also uh, they also have to be turned over to the um, they also have to be turned over to the other side if properly requested. Um, there is a asterisk here whenever it comes to um, getting document requests from the government. Uh, the government, you always retain all documents and everything, but they, you normally produce those documents even if they aren't properly um, properly requested because the government can do a lot. Um, worse to you than plaintiff's counsel could do. So why retain the documents? I'm sure you've seen movies uh, or even heard the stories of, uh, I believe it was Arthur Anderson uh, back in the day was shredding uh, documents. Sounds like a good, um, sounds like a very good strategy, right? Get rid of all documents that sound really, really, really bad for you. Actually, that is not the proper thing to do. If documents are intentionally not produced, shredded, withheld in any way, you could be facing discovery sanctions. Now, that doesn't exactly sound bad, but Sanctions can be monetary penalties, and they can be significant uh, monetary penalties against both you and uh, your attorney. They can also end up in causing the case to be decided against you, and that is not what you want. When going through a lawsuit, you want to have the decision based on everything available. Uh, because there are potentially technicalities that even if something is bad for you, um, there could be a technicality that could help you um, avoid a 
plaintiff's verdict. So that's that's why you go ahead and retain all of the documents. And also, if you send an email to someone outside of your organization, plaintiff is going and you don't produce it to your attorney, plaintiff potentially is going to have that document anyway. So you will handicap yourself by not producing by not producing the document. So let's talk about the lawsuit process. Um, a lawsuit, the lawsuit begins with the filing, the filing of the lawsuit, and that is obvious. And the lawsuit has to be filed within a certain amount of time from the date of the incident. Now, depending on the type of, depending on the type of incident, and depending on um, the state you are in. It depends on the amount of time plaintiff has to file a lawsuit. For example, in Texas, if you have a medical malpractice claim, you have two years from the date of the incident or the date when the malpractice negligence occurred to file a lawsuit. Uh, for a breach of contract in Texas, you have four years to file a suit. So. It really, it really depends on the nature of um, the nature of the tort that plaintiff is filing a lawsuit against you. But that's that's something to pay attention to, and you'll get you'll get the details in the lawsuit. After the lawsuit is filed, the next step is what's known as service of process. Now, this is where um, you actually see the court person or the process server um, ask an individual, are you so-and-so? And then whenever that individual says yes, they hand them a document and say, you've been served. A good example of this is in the movie um, marriage story on Netflix whenever one of the characters is being served with um, divorce papers. Uh, you see the sister go, oh, surprise, you've been served. That's, <laughs> that's kind of, um, that's a theatrical take on, on service of process, but it does provide, uh, does provide you with a good idea. Now, as I stated previously, um, after you've been served, uh, the notice of process um, that you are uh, provided tells you when you have to file an answer or respond in some way. In Texas, uh, we're allowed to, in state court, uh, you're allowed to file a general denial, which means you deny everything everything in the complaint and in just one sentence that essentially says pursuant to this rule i uh deny all the allegations contained in plaintiff's petition in federal court it's more complicated uh you have to go paragraph by paragraph and respond to um and admit or deny the allegations in each paragraph so it's a lot more complicated and will take a lot longer. So 
that's why it's important to know uh, once you're served with the lawsuit to know where the lawsuit is filed and also to know um, also know uh, when your response deadline is. Uh, but in federal court, um, a neat quirk of the lawsuit process is that uh, before you file an answer, uh, you can file what's known as a motion to dismiss. This allows you to essentially say, plaintiff, you don't have any case, so I am seeking this lawsuit to be dismissed. Please, um, and you ask the court to grant your motion to dismiss. There will be a process where uh, plaintiff responds to your motion to dismiss, and then ultimately the court, uh, the court will rule on it. So that, that will take a little bit of time. After your answer is filed and uh, answer or motion to dismiss is ruled on and denied, uh, you begin what's known as discovery. Now, discovery is where the documents that I mentioned previously are going to be requested. So you'll be requesting documents from plaintiff, and plaintiff will be requesting documents for you. Plaintiffs will also ask um, potentially admissions, uh, which essentially is admit or deny that you were working in the ER on X day, and then you respond by admitting or denying it. Uh, plaintiff and you can also file interrogatories, and this is where you ask a uh, ask a question, which in most of our litigation involves asking um, if the individual has some sort of social media presence. Um, that's done just because uh, you want to know what the person is saying on um, social media about whether they were in fact in a relationship with their, uh, or if they had a relationship with their father or mother or uh, any anything like that, or if they are saying they're only out to do this for the money, it's that's that's where you will request certain things. After discovery has been completed and the court will set a certain amount of time for discovery to go through, um, your counsel uh, will potentially file what's known as a motion for summary judgment or other sort of dispositive motion. And federal court that again could be a motion to dismiss or it could be a motion for summary judgment in texas and state court it most likely will be a motion for summary judgment and with that you'll include um, documents obtained during discovery and you'll essentially say that based on these documents plaintiff can't prove their case or based on these uh based on this law um I don't even have to have any documents, but just based on this law or based on this technicality, like I was saying, um, plaintiff's case should be dismissed. An example would be um, in Texas, a a um, 
medical malpractice suit, like I said, has to be filed two years uh, after the incident. If it's filed three years after the incident, then um, you could file a uh, dispositive motion, a motion for summary judgment saying this case should be dismissed as a matter, uh, a matter of course because of the fact that it's out of the um, limitations period. It's, it was filed well after the two years. So that's, that's what I mean by uh, dispositive motions. Now, um, this next one, mediation, it could really occur at any point. Uh, mediation can occur before the lawsuit is filed. Mediation can occur before you respond via um, uh, answer. It could occur before or during the discovery process, or it could even occur um Right before, uh, right before trial, but mediation is where you and uh, plaintiff's counsel, or you and plaintiff, uh, my apologies, go to a place where there is a uh, independent third party, and before the mediation occurs, your counsel and plaintiff's counsel will submit position papers stating the strengths and weaknesses of your case. And the independent uh, third party will review all of the information and will work to reach a settlement. Um, now, mediation is not recommended if you have a ironclad case regarding, like I was saying, the statute of limitations. Uh, but in most cases, mediation does occur, and uh, cases are quite often settled in mediation just due to the fact that going through a lawsuit is expensive. Um, there's, always, there's always the jokes about um, lawyers and how expensive lawyers are and everything like that so um, a lot of people a lot of people think that mediation is good and depending on the case mediation may be the best strategy uh, for you and that's something that you and your uh, counsel will discuss now if no settlement is reached through mediation or just um, among the uh, attorneys working among themselves, then you will go to trial. Now, the trial will be before a judge or before a jury. Uh, if it's just before a judge, that would be a bench trial. If a jury is selected, that would be a jury trial. And depending on the nature of case, uh, the nature of the case, the trial could be one day, or if it is a complex uh, medical malpractice case, the trial could take up to two weeks. It really just depends on the nature of uh, the nature of the case. If a bench trial, uh, like I said, the judge will ultimately decide um, who is 
not and unless it's a criminal trial, there's no uh, discussion of guilt or innocence in civil court, um, which most of these, aside from the aforementioned uh, criminal government investigation, if you have a bench trial, then the judge will decide who's at fault and ultimately will end up determining the amount of um, compensation, if any, due to the plaintiff. And um, if compensation is owed to the plaintiff, that would be what's known as a plaintiff's verdict. If no compensation is owed to the plaintiff, that would be a defense verdict. You can have. Um, a positive situation if you are a defendant where you get to trial and you are not ordered to pay as much as what plaintiff is asking. Um, they always say a good um, a good indication that it was f a fair outcome is that both sides are unhappy. So um, I don't know. Actually, I wouldn't consider how true that actually is, but that's that's a saying. A uh, jury trial is where, again, where the jury ultimately decides who is fault, and the jury ultimately decides the apportionment of fault and determines how much plaintiff is awarded, if any. After the trial, um, within 30 days in um, federal court and in Texas, uh, within 30 days, uh, you have the option to appeal the ruling of the uh, jury or the court. Now, a um, appeal can be for a variety of reasons, and the appeal process, this is how cases ultimately end up getting to the Supreme Court. Uh, in Texas, you would have the uh, district court, you would then have the um, appellate court, and you would have the uh, state supreme court. In federal court, it's uh, similar. You would have the dis federal district court, you would have the federal appellate court, and then you would have the ultimate, uh, the supreme court. And whether... Um, your appeal is successful is not only uh, on how the court rules, but ultimately whether the court even ends up taking the case. There are a lot of decisions, uh, trial court decisions that are appealed, and ultimately not all of them are taken up by the uh, appellate court. And that essentially is the appellate court deciding the case, but if if the case is not taken up, then um, the appeal ends. If the appeal continues, uh, if the appellate court does take the uh, appeal up, then you go through a briefing process. There may be oral arguments, uh, but discovery is not uh, exchanged at this stage. That was done at the trial court level. So, as we went through um, the process, hopefully that gives you an idea of what to expect if you are, in fact, uh, facing a lawsuit. Again, I cannot state this in enough. 
But the main thing, um, the main thing you can do when facing a lawsuit is just just remain calm, and then uh, reach out to your liability insurance carrier if you have it, and if not, then begin contacting uh, begin contacting attorneys and uh, contact several attorneys, and ultimately uh, go with the one that uh, you believe fits what you want to do the best. There are some attorneys that uh, take a approach that we should settle this early because ultimately that is going to be the cheapest solution for you. Or there are some that may be more, may have a more aggressive approach. Ultimately, go with the one that fits what you are wanting to do and also one that you feel comfortable with. That's probably the most important thing, the one that you feel the most comfortable uh, most comfortable with. Uh, if you have questions, um, I'll answer a couple of them uh, here in just a second, but after, if I don't get to your question, uh, feel free to uh, give me a call at 214-722-7109 or shoot me an email. Trey.scott at lewisbrisvoy.com.